0: A
1: great show you guys tuned into. What a great show you downloaded. It's a Loftus Party podcast as advertised. We got a great guest. We got Pete Hegseth is here. Can you believe it? Gimlet.
2: I can't believe it.
1: <laughs> it's great. He's a he's an, a, an incredible dude. He's a lot of fun and I was a little uh I always have a good time when I when I do the Fox and Friends and, you know, of course, because of the Rona, there's nothing in studio now and all that good stuff. But here's a guy, uh, Minnesota born and raised, then on to Princeton, then on to Harvard, then in the Army, just Guantanamo, Iraq, all over the place, back in the States, working on Fox and Friends and an overachiever he's got his second book out we're going to be talking about his book uh and of course we're going to be talking about we're going to we're going to have some fun it's going to be a good time we're going to be talking about the pete hexeth book american crusade our fight to stay free he's an awesome guy i think you're going to enjoy the interview and we're really really glad he was on the show so it's a good one you picked a good one. If you're just dipping in to the Loftus Party Podcast, trying to fi- figure out what we're all about, you got a good one. You got to go, and and then I'm gonna tease this next week. It's gonna be another good one. Holy smoke, our cup runneth over. You know who else? Yes, it does. You know who else has a cup that runneth over?
3: Who? <laughs> Joe Biden. That's the oh worst segue ever. He is. uh,
1: it ain't good. It ain't good. No, you've got uh, Dan Bongino making some headlines, saying that he's got people on the inside. Dan Bongino saying that he's got some some sources in there saying it's it's a uh, cognitive decline and uh, and all that uh, madness. And then right. the, the whole vice president pick. What what's going on? What's going on? Well,
2: Alyssa Milano normally goes insane every once in a while.
4: Yes, And so she's
2: on the Twitter saying, my five-year-old passed that test that Donald Trump took. That's a good thing, Alyssa. (laughs) The the cognitive tests don't measure intelligence. They actually mention how your brain functions. And I just have one question to the Don Lamans and the Alyssa Milanas of the world. If it's so effing easy, why doesn't Biden take one?
1: That's a great one. That's a great company. Maybe, it, maybe there's a a chance that Alyssa wants to be uh, the vice presidential pick. You know, oh my be, god, you know she would gladly accept <laughs> Vice President Milano, who would quickly become President Milano when Joe Biden folds like a deck chair. Uh, after- well,
2: no, in the in the article, I put two videos in. One was an interview on the View in two thousand in December of two 2000- thousand. 17. Okay. And then it was a clip of all of his stuff since then like in the last 6 months and it's like you can't watch those two videos and tell me nothing's wrong.
1: I I couldn't agree with you more. I did a video for the Loftus Party YouTube channel. And it was uh, about Joe Biden. And I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight about ways like how many I wanted to make sure I had my facts straight, how many times he'd run for president, what happened both those times Mm -hmm. and how he was so easily dismissed and all that stuff. But you see him speak, you know, back in the 70s, back in the 80s and then in the 90s. And then even he was losing a step with Obama. But now. And I, and I hate to peddle this kind of stuff. I hate to peddle this kind of stuff because this is what the left did with Trump. You know, we're going to have to use the Twenty Fifth Amendment to get him. Obviously, he's crazy. We got to get. But like the Joe Biden thing, it's it's sad. It's not it's not good. Like I saw the video of him being like led out of some store by the sleeve, yep. and it's just I. When he
2: wants to stop and talk to the media, and they won't let him, they're like, "Thank you for being here."
1: Yeah. And like, this is the joke. It's not really a joke for the observation. Like no one is sitting back looking, watching a Joe Biden clip and just going, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy to lead America. Like no one, I'm convinced no one in the United States of America could honestly tell me that could honestly tell me that they would watch Joe Biden speak and go, yeah, that's the guy he's that's the leadership and
2: it's yeah it's just it's crazy just because now they're like all into this yeah we're not going to debate trump
1: oh yeah they they have to they have to the only thing here's joe biden can't go toe to toe with trump for a whole debate he just he just can't he's got one issue and one issue only right now the only Real chink in Donald Trump's armor is health care, because he said back when he was running that he was going to do something better than Obamacare and pre-existing conditions and blah, 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 blah. blah. And really, there's been no movement. There's been no Mm -hmm. movement. So so Biden could, I think, score a lot of points going, I'm going to bring back Obamacare. I'm going to shore it up. I'm going to make it better, blah, blah, blah. But beyond that, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. I, I saw a commercial for him today talking about uh, biden's talking about we're gonna put america first and we're gonna bring back manufacturing jobs and buy an american and you're like well that's that's obviously the flavor of the month with you because you've never felt that before exactly in in your career we got to talk we got to talk about his vp pick and some some shenanigans i think there was some shenanigans uh last week because here's what happened yeah Uh, Biden is given a speech and he's got like a notebook or a, he's got a piece of paper in his hand, you know, and it's like it's got Kamala Harris's name on it. Right. Because that's what you that's what you carry around when you're about to give a little press conference speech. You have a little thing like here's my vice presidential pick. Right. It was like, here's what I think happened. Somebody told Joe Biden, hold this piece of paper. We're going to put Kamala Harris's name on it. Then we'll have one of the photographers take a picture and they'll say, ooh, has he made his vice presidential pick? Is it going to be Kamala Harris? And then we'll do it'll be kind of like an informal poll. It'll be an informal mm-hmm. poll. And so I believe that's what they did. And boy, America gave old Kamala Harris the smackdown. That was not a warm reception. Well, did I don't you think see what Politico did? Finalist. No. What did they do?
2: They inadvertently tweeted a link about com- Joe Biden's speech on August 1st, announcing Kamala Harris was his VP pick, complete with a quote. Wow. <laughs> and um, that happened, like, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And, like, the internet went alight. light. With this thing, like, oh, they let the cat out of the bag. They let the cat out of the bag. I'm like, no, guys, that was a trial balloon. I guarantee you that was a trial balloon.
4: Yeah. And I, I think would it have didn't think, go well, and yeah. that's
2: why he delayed for a week.
1: Yeah. And I think that they have they have websites ready to go for whoever he picks. But I yeah. don't think it's going to be Kamala Harris. I don't think Kamala's going to yeah. be it.
2: Why would they think that was a good pick when she, was like, pulled at 3%? Yeah. Like during the entire primary, she pulled it three percent. And like we said, everybody's looking at Joe going, yeah, n- not that he's the guy. So we all know the number two is actually gonna be the number one. Well, nobody ever wanted her to be the number one.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and like with her history of, you know, I like to sit at home and smoke weed on my time, but then I would fill the jails with people who I arrested for smoking weed. That right. was like that was just horrible. Now, so who do we got left? So if it's not Kamala, I think we're looking at what, uh maybe a Susan Rice. Who's the up who's the other uh the other lady who who was like the, the communist lady, the one who spoke oh, at the
2: Karen Bass.
1: Is she the one that also did the Scientology speech too?
2: Yep. <laughs> All right. She's so- out there on the Sunday shows today apologizing for all of that stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to pick the communist.
4: Mm-hmm. She
2: has, like, zero name recognition. But the oppo research on her, she trained militants in, American militants in Cuba back in the 60s and 70s.
1: What is up with that? I'm telling you. That okay, so it so we can't do Karen Bass, like we can't have like a straight up. I say this stuff. She's a straight. I
2: say, She's worse than Bernie.
1: But didn't like John Brennan? Wasn't he in the Communist Party and then he went on to run the yes. CIA? Yes. That's just. It's. I have to laugh. It's just so ridiculous. And then it's awful. they were floating the balloon of uh, of Susan Rice as well, and Susan Rice. Here's the one that I can't get by with her. After after Benghazi happened on the anniversary of September 11th, and you have the video of her on all the Sunday talk shows going, oh, it was a YouTube video. It was a YouTube video. They were upset about the YouTube video. To me, that's it. Like Susan Rice, that's a terrifying notion of having President Susan Rice. So well, who's left? Who's left?
2: Okay, we... we kamala harris hasn't officially been taken off and i mean i've been saying it was kamala like since christmas
4: yeah yeah
2: Um, only because obama wouldn't endorse biden right until he quote-unquote won the primary um (laughs) and i think there was a deal there and kamala harris has been in obama world like since she ran for ag of california yeah. Like, she's been, uh, Barack Obama has been one of her biggest supporters and boosters, like, for her in almost her entire political career. So, yeah. my thing was, Obama was like, fine, I'll endorse you, but you're going to make her your VP. Well. That's, that's legitimately what I thought happened. But Susan Rice would be another, like, logical Obama, you're going to pick Susan Rice, right? Like, yeah. where this Karen Bass thing came from, I have no idea.
1: I gotta think. I gotta think. Michelle Obama's phone is ringing off the hook. Michelle I think Obama's
2: not gonna do it. She hated being in the White House, and she doesn't like Joe Biden. She was off. Like when he when he put his hat in the ring, she mm-hmm. was on some kind of interview, and she was just. I'm doing that. I'm not gonna say. My mother told me if you can't say anything nice, you don't say anything at all.
1: But it's like, hey, Michelle, he's only gonna be there for a couple of days.
2: She You're- doesn't want to be president.
1: Oh, my gosh. I clicked on a link to see who Biden's top choices were. And now I got this ad going about tomatoes are going to make your stomach feel better. I apologize, gentle listeners. I was trying to do <laughs> research in the middle of a well, podcast.
2: Tammy Duckworth is on there.
1: Yeah, I don't know enough about her. Duckworth. Man,
2: she just, she's as dumb as Maisie Hirono.
1: She sounds like a villain from a Disney Channel show.
4: She really does. She she's
2: just so not impressive. And Elizabeth Warren, I am told, is the only white woman still on the list. At but least they're Biden, saying she's white and not Native American. So that
1: didn't that's Biden promise it. though to have a person of color?
2: No, the only thing he promised was to have a woman.
4: This is why you people, don't do it, guys.
2: Other, people, other the, people have told him you should probably pick a woman of color. But see, this, this is what this is what what happens when you specify. First, Yes. And then try to fill to your specifications. That never works.
1: Exactly. When you don't, when your lead should be, my vice president would be the best president if I get whacked. If I drop dead in the tub, then you're going to be super happy with president blank because they're super smart. They can do this. They can do that. They have this background. Once you start going, listen, no matter what, no matter what, I'll tell you this about my vice president. She's gonna have a vagina. That's my big. <laughs> That's not how you pick leaders of the world. That's not how you do it. Okay, well, but so I mean, who are pick...
2: those people in the Democrat Party? Like, who are they?
1: What the 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 good there's leaders? like
2: no yeah there's like no I mean they're trying to make a thing out of Andrew Cuomo.
1: Yeah,
4: they, you know well,
2: they, he's they not particularly talented. He's a legacy.
1: Well, it'll be it'll be funny to watch Biden uh, try to squirm out of it, try to squirm out of it, because uh, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see. But but we got to we got to leave that there. We got to leave that there. We should we should. I wish we could have like a gambling site and try to make some money off of this. We got to talk about what's going on in uh, Minneapolis, in in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I just put this up at the uh, the loftist dot com. The the Minneapolis PD. They just mm-hmm. advised residents, you got to give in to uh, criminals. If, if somebody comes and they want to steal from you, just go along with it. Don't even try to resist. That's like the police publicly saying they've given up. Like, don't even just hope for the best. If you get robbed, just give them everything you have and hope for the best. That is a terrifying notion and a terrifying peek into Joe Biden's America. Well,
2: the The premise for the letter was there were a hundred robberies and twenty car jacks jackings within the third precinct where they burned the police station in July alone.
1: yeah it's
2: so robbery prevention tips do not walk alone. Yeah. carry only items you need and don't carry cash. Be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse or wallet.
1: Just really. be ready to be ready to be the victim of crime. And don't be ready for the police to help you just uh, it's like if you're going to uh, Rio or going to some crazy country where you don't speak the language and there's going to be a bunch of people like they always say it's like the Olympics. That's why I said Rio. I'm not being I'm not being racist. I'm t- I was thinking Olympics like uh, pickpockets are still around and they live for the Olympics. So if you go to the Olympics and you're going around, they're like, don't carry anything on you that you're going to want back. Because the pickpockets don't get it, you know, so you have your ID and your shoe, whatever. But it's just crazy to think that the police department of a major American city would come out and say that, would come out and say, so let's tick them off, you guys. You got uh, got Portland, that's a joke. You got Seattle, that's a joke. San Fran's kind of a joke uh you know you got chicago and baltimore and now in 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 minneapolis where they're they're defunding the police and they're going to rethink the police and they're going to get rid of the police they're just telling you hey you're kind of on your own don't get too uh, don't get too attached to your personal belongings that's crazy
2: seattle's going to abolish the prisons
1: well that's one of i got into it online the other day i got to get better at this i'm i'm it's like quicksand you can't get into it a buddy of mine was uh, going, talking about Black Lives Matter and how, like, the definition of Marxism is wrong. And, and I'm like, don't even go there. Marxism is Marxism. We're not going to try to redefine Marxism now. No. It's very clearly defined. And he goes, well, I just, you know, I don't want Black Lives Matter to, you know, it's a worthwhile movement. And I'm like, what are their demands? And he's like, well, why don't you read more? And I'm like, you don't know. You don't know what their demands are. I have. <laughs> right? So you go and you do some research and you look at the demands. They're like, well, get rid of the police. Close the jails. Let all the protesters out. Uh, no bail. Forget. Ri-, and it's just like, wait, we're going to get rid of the police and then not have jails? Like, who? who is for that? Who can go, mm-hmm, yeah, that's that's the that's the platform I want to get behind. And, and you've got these – it's insanity where they're like – like what what the Blasio's doing in New York talking about the budget. Well, we're going to get take a billion dollars away. We're going to spend that elsewhere. We're going to cut back on these police and those police. But we will have the police guarding the mural in front of the Trump Tower. It's just it's it's a horrible, sick, twisted joke. And anyone who's surprised that gun sales are skyrocketing, you're a moron. You're a moron. Mm-hmm. I can't get in line fast enough to buy more guns. Guns, guns, guns.
2: And if you want to understand what Black Lives Matter's demands are, there's a website called breatheact.com. Good one. It is their their, um, their proposed legislation to deal with criminal justice reform. Um, Patrice Cullors advocated for it on the DNC platform call. She also talked to the Hill about it, so she's in public saying this is what they want, and it's literally de incarceration of just about everyone, shutting down federal prisons, yeah. expunging records, so you don't even you wouldn't even have notification when a felon moved into your neighborhood. I mean, come on, it,
1: it is it, it's, uh, it's a terrifying it notion.
2: Insane.
1: It's a terrifying notion, and that's why. I did uh, my, the latest video uh, on the YouTube channel. It's like there's there's nowhere to go. We were talking about it on the cast last week. So I wrote a song about it. But, like, if, if Biden wins and you know he's not all the way there, you know he's not all the way there. So maybe he makes it – I'm just saying if he wins. I really hope he doesn't. I, I want – I'm hoping for the same kind of the polls are wrong now, like they were in 2016 and people are just not telling people how they're voting and secret Trump voters and all that. But you guys, if, if Biden wins and then holy smoke with, uh, with the Democrats having, you know, the house and then hopefully they won't pick up seats in the Senate. But if you, if you have two years of democrats on full blast and Joe Biden just sitting there doing what he's told by Nancy Pelosi from AOC and the squad you're going to get more idiotic policies like let's get rid of the police it it will it will boggle your mind and from what Nancy has learned from obamacare when they muscled obamacare in uh, and that the changes that they make will be very hard to to get undone. We don't even want to go there. We don't even want to go there. All right. So we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back with our, with our buddy, Pete Hegseth. Just a great dude. Just a great dude. I'm a fan of the Pete Hegseth. So stick around for that. And then I'm going to touch base with you. And we've got a great... C block plan for you. The C block is going to be quite fun and delicious.
4: Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced weighted handle shave gel and a travel cover all for just three bucks plus free shipping just go to Harry'scom and enter 5000 at checkout that's Harry's com code 5000 enjoy!
1: As promised, ladies and gentlemen, there's a there's a guy by the name of Pete Hegseth on the other line. Pete, how you doing?
3: Michael, how are you? This feels odd. I'm not used to you asking the questions. We'll see how this goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's turnabout. It is turnabout, and that is fair play. Now,
3: did you have a show this morning? Because we're, we're we're recording on a Sunday. We're being yes. honest with our audience. Uh, you always are, Michael. Yes, we had a show this morning, a four hour tour. Wow. Uh it sometimes it feels like it's never ending, but yes. Okay, so uh
1: I know I know the story that's driving me crazy. We'll we'll get into the news a little bit later. I I, sure. I want to make sure that we talk about your book. I gotta tell you, buddy, I did a little research. I did a little research and and I didn't realize this was your second book. I thought this was your first I thought American Crusade was your big um hello world, I'm an author. This is your second book. Yeah, Michael, you and the
3: rest of the world had no idea. If it sold uh, 80 copies, no, I'm just kidding. There, there was, it came out four years ago. And if you go to Amazon right now, the cost of a hard copy for my first book is like 90 bucks because there are none out there. Um, it was, wow. yeah, the, the first one was uh, a you true kind of ex- expression of where I'm coming from. And but I didn't have much of a platform on Fox. Fox turns out helps, and yeah. so this one did a little bit better.
1: That's that's fantastic. Now, so so in the arena is your background of uh, your military
3: army. You've been you've been all over the planet, guy. You've, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, it's tom- not.
3: I'm not audacious enough to think I should write a biography when I was 35 years old. I leave that to Barack Obama. Uh, (laughs) It it was it was some of my story, but kind of where I was. If you compare in the arena to American Crusade, it's kind of the conversion or adaptation a lot of conservatives have had in the world of Trump. So there are big, not big changes, but significant changes in tone in the two books.
1: Yeah, I think we have kind of a similar, uh, and, and I, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but in, in 2016, let's just say this: I didn't start out as a Trump guy back in twenty back in 2015 when things were starting to heat up. You know, I had buddies that were like, "Trump's the man," "Trump is the man," and I was I was a
3: little,
1: but boy, I could be the conductor on the Trump train, right? right now.
3: <laughs> I know. I think you and I have the the passion of converts, you know? Yeah. Oftentimes converts to anything or you know you weren't there first, but then you had to work your way there. And that was me too, man. And the book lays that out. I the second chapter starts with Hi, my name is Pete hexeth and I was almost a never Trumper. Uh yeah. and here and here's why, because I was fervent in sort of the establishment view: who's this Trump guy? What's he talking about? You know, and, and as a as a Iraq war vet who is a big defender of that war, you know, he's 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 talking about what a disaster it was. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. And I, and the book outlines uh, kind of the, our moment and how necessary we needed that, you know, break glass in case of war kind of guy who just cut yeah. through all the other stuff and put America first. So that yeah, it's a been, confessional.
1: That had to have been like a, a tough one to get over. Cause I remember feeling that in the debates when, you know, when Trump went after uh, Bush for the war in Iraq and I'm like, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine like yeah, having but, uh, served over there and then having to be like, hey, I didn't waste my time.
3: Yeah, exactly. You uh, you had to get past kind of the, you know, the, the way Trump talks about it. But then if you take a moment to step back and look at Iraq and Syria and the rise of ISIS, you kind of go, well, regardless of how well we executed and the courage people showed and the, the magnitude of the sacrifice, all of which are real— You know, if we had looked, if we had started in 2003 and said, what will Iraq look like in 2016, we wouldn't have wanted to look that way. And so you have to be honest about whether or not our involvement actually led to a good place. And at that moment, you know, the black flag of ISIS was flying and and Obama was telling, calling it the JV team. I'm
1: so glad you brought that up because the other night I couldn't sleep. I was thinking about it so much. I I, I do a thing on stage where like Where Trump has come through with like everything he's promised he came through and it's almost comedic like how fast he whooped ISIS's
4: ass
1: (laughs) right but like it's funny but then it's scary because you're like well he did do that fast like what was Obama doing so in in your opinion what's what's the difference between the Trump administration because I can listen guy I can remember like every other day thinking what's gonna happen next boy they blew up that concert boy they killed those people there yep. boy they drove a van through that crowd you're worried all the time and then trump comes in his hand isn't even off the bible
3: and he's just like they're gone
1: like, yeah what's the
3: difference i mean it, let the pit pitbull off the leash i mean i really you can't overestimate Um, how the rules of engagement had been contorted, how much risk aversion was part of the Obama calculation, how our guys on the front lines were chomping at the bit to do what's necessary. But because of, you know, uh, honestly, political correctness had so infected the military, you had to to kill ISIS in like the most compassionate possible way under (laughs) under Obama, as opposed to to, you know, war is hell. And you're going to you got to You got to might meet ruthlessness with even more ruthlessness. And turns out our special operators do that real well if you let them do it. And and poof like that, Um, you know, they took care of business the way we should have a long time ago.
1: Yeah, I, that's that is where I have always stood. Like that's in my that's how we won the Revolutionary War. In in my opinion, when I'm when I'm on stage, I'm like, we fought dirty. We fought dirty. We couldn't beat England in a fair fight, <laughs> so we put on our squirrel hats,
3: we shot the generals, and we ran. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's that's how our enemies fight us today. Like they don't play by rules at they, all. In fact, they use the rules against us. And then we, we look around saying, well, that's not how you're supposed to fight war. Well, it turns out, you know, our enemy doesn't have to play by the, the, the Western rules that we've laid out. And either we adapt to fight and, and, and kill them or we just sit around wondering why the enemy doesn't play nice. And, and, I, and we're not ready for that. I don't know if our political sensibilities, our, our culture here can handle that. And that's one of the things I write about in this book. Either you got to be there 100 years or you got to be willing to ferociously decimate the enemy. Uh, and I don't know if we've got the gut for the first for the second one at this point.
1: Man, I'm I'm telling you, you ferociously decimate the the enemy. I just found out some stuff about Germany in World War II. You probably knew this. You're a smart guy. You're a Princeton man. You're a Harvard man. I, uh, I snuck in. <laughs> I'd love to talk. Did you hear about do you know about Bervington in the, in the Second World War?
3: Oh, you're educating me now, man. No.
1: Okay, so I'm watching the World War II in color last night. I apologize for the sidetrack, but like when when Germany is is doing the Blitzkrieg. Because they, they went into Poland yep. and they kind of got bogged down a little bit. They were st- still doing old school. So when they just went pell-mell in into France, France is like, it's going to take them two weeks. It's going to take them two weeks. But somehow the German infantry was able to keep going for days and days and days. Like they did in three and a half days what everyone thought it would take them two weeks. It turns out a, a, a big hunk of the German infantry was taking this drug called Pervitin. Which is like the original crystal meth, and it—that's just terrifying to me. Like Whoa. I'm already—I'm already scared of a regular Nazi.
3: I don't need <laughs> a, a crystal meth Nazi. Well, you—you you talk. I mean, you—you you talk to guys who fought in Fallujah, uh, friends of mine and others, and elsewhere in Afghanistan. Those enemies were often high as 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 the uh, apparently the Blitzkrieg was. I mean, it is uh, it. Oftentimes our enemies do that. We we don't do that. But yeah. it, it, it puts you to the point where I, I remember friends saying, hey, I put one, two, three, four bullets in these guys and they kept coming. And, wow. and it's because they're out of their mind. Uh, you know, we don't fight that way. But uh, it's we, the other thing that benefits us a lot, uh, Michael, is that a lot of these Islamists are really bad shots. Uh, they fire off a lot of bullets, uh, yeah. but they don't they don't do the aiming thing. Uh, and it, the good ones, the good ones do. And I don't mean to dismiss the enemy, uh, right. but you, our guys are so well-trained that if you just breathe, uh, put your scope on somebody, you can, you know, one round's all you really need. It's, um,
1: it's it's such a great conversation. I want to talk about all this stuff. Like, like Black Hawk Down, uh, I read that book and then a buddy of mine in Hollywood was the guy who adapted it, you know, for the screen. Yep. And that, that battle that whole event that was amazing like our, our men and women over there that was an amazing defense and you just see it looks like the the enemy likes to just hold their rifle out and shoot blindly around corners uh i don't
3: even i don't even do that in video games
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, wanna, I won't even do that in call of duty um
3: well- God bless you, buddy, who put that movie together, because that was an inspiration for a lot of people like watching the heroism. I wish Hollywood would figure that out. Can you get on that, buddy? Because if, you know, patriotic movies turn out, turns out they sell well because uh, people like to watch the good guys win. Uh, and when they're accurately depicted, they're motivating for a lot of people.
1: Well, I think you touch on this in in your book as well, and and I'm I'm all about the patriotic movies, and I'm all all about trying to make a difference in the culture because, yeah. and I know I I think you touch about that, uh, touch on that in, in the book. It's like we have our heroes are all screwed up. You know, kids grow up like, oh, the Care Bears. We can't win unless we share. And socialism's awesome. And we have to be a team. And like, there's no individual rugged hero anymore. And I Mm -hmm. think that's, that's, to me, that's the American spirit. You know, John Wayne, the lone cowboy against all odds, you know, being uh,
3: self-reliant. A hundred percent. You're right. I mean, and you're, you are a part of the real front lines because we all know that politics is a lagging indicator. It's downstream from culture. Culture is far more important. So while we're writing, you know, white papers and think tanks in, in Washington, D.C. about, you know, Medicare policy, uh, they're out there making movies and songs and controlling social media and curriculum in schools. I mean, my, my God, open up a textbook of one of your kids uh, and then you wonder why we've gotten to a place where Bernie Sanders is hip. Uh, And and Joe Biden is running to the left in in a primary because not not a primary in a general because our, our I mean, Ronald Reagan said it and you know this and you say you share this through your comedy and through what you do. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And that sounds like a talking point, but it isn't. And when you look at education and culture, you start to realize we're raising kids who believe America is the bad guy in history and who don't have that view of rugged individualism and, and, and view that rights are endowed by God. And then we wonder, you know, why they're seduced by socialism. Why wouldn't you? And they don't know history either. So they would know that the Nazis were socialists and, and what the Soviet, all of those things stand for. Uh, And then we're just rudderless. Yeah,
1: like literally, you you tell people about Stalin starving millions of his own citizens to death. You tell them about what China did with their grand revolution, and they have like zero clue. Like you might as well be you might as well be talking about a science fiction book they haven't read because you can just see them glaze over. What? Yeah. What?
3: Yeah. don't wait. Well, no. Don't take away my TikTok. No, not my TikTok.
1: <laughs> what is the deal with TikTok? Everybody keeps asking me, and all I can say is, like, there's some kind of embedded code where they're mining data and they can, they can do something nefarious. I'm sure you know more about this than well, I.
3: You know, I mean, the, the, the American part of TikTok can say, is attempting to say, don't worry, we'll never share your data. Of course, all these social media apps have massive mountains of data about us. It's why when you go on Instagram, uh, you know, ads pop up about things you were talking about yesterday, and you're like, "How yeah. does it know?" Well, it, it it knows. The nefarious part is that because TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, which is controlled by the state, there there's a law in China. I mean, they, they can Xi Jinping has has pushed it, massive expansion of state powers. There's a law that. If the Chinese government demands it, you must turn over user data of all of your people. So they might be able to say right now, don't worry, we're not giving it to the communist Chinese. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But if they wanted to, they could. And that's 100 million, 120 million Americans. And the surveillance case capabilities are massive. So the fact that the DOD is saying to employees you can't use it um, makes you know a ton of sense. A lot of these companies try to do it themselves, but their woke staffers are like, no, I want to make dance videos. Uh, I, I hope it's a moment, to, you know, for parents to turn to kids and say, "Hey, here's why." Just problem is a lot of parents are scared of their kids, uh, and they're they're not going to explain that. So, yeah. it it is a it is a not not a petty, but a small glimpse into the double standard that China's gotten away forever. Do you know how many American apps are allowed in China? Uh, I, zero, zero. There's none. You can't. Wow. It's always let us into your economy to take and replicate and steal. But if you come to us, we steal everything from you. You play by our rules, we're in control. Eventually that uh, cuts against us and we're already seeing that.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if there was anything more annoying like being in the New York area and hearing about if you step outside, it's death, it's instant death. And the hospitals are overwhelmed and nurses are working around the clock. You hear about all this horribleness and then you go to TikTok and you see some chick on a gurney dancing down the hall with
4: her girlfriends. You're like,
1: get no. to work, lady. Get to work. Oh my work.
3: gosh. Yeah, okay.
1: and it's true. It's true. It is. So um, you have like, you have a 30 second elevator pitch on like American Crusade. What's like, when, when you sit down to write a book like this, what is it that you really want to do you want to say, hey, things are really bad, but we can fix it. And here's how we fix it. Or I, I don't it seems like you're like you're an optimistic guy. It's, it's not a book where you're like, hey, it's game over. Let's all find another place to live.
3: I am optimistic. But but, uh, Michael, two of the three scenarios in the book end up bad uh, for us. Like that's how bad it is where we are in our culture. I, I'll put it this way. A military analogy. There's something called the near ambush. A near ambush is the most dangerous thing you can be in. We train on it in the military. If you're in a near ambush, you're stuck in the kill zone. The enemy's right on top of you. They have the high ground. You're screwed. The, you're, you're dead. The only thing you can do is once you, once you realize you're in a near ambush is pop a grenade, throw it, and then charge toward the enemy, right? Otherwise, you stay in that kill zone, and you can't win. And wow. what, I think Donald, what I think Donald Trump represents— is finally Republicans and Patriots saying, you know what, we can't just kind of hide behind our vehicles and try to shoot back at the left as they crush us. We have to throw the grenades, charge the hill. And what happens when you charge is the only reason that's your only chance is if you're able to make it through, or a few people are, the enemy has to expose itself from their concealed position, from the, from the tall grass. Now you can see them and you know who they are. And I think Trump has been the guy lobbing those grenades, saying it's time to charge. And when he does that, from media to social media to the Democrats, they show us who they really are. They're socialists. The media is fake. It's all stacked. And so he's created a, an opening for patriots to, to expose that and try to fight back. And I, I think 2020, it will be a mass it will be massively telling. Uh, Whether we win or lose, it shows whether we can still win in the political quarter. But we have to use this moment to drive into the culture and drive into educational institutions. Otherwise, I mean, the left, it's depressing when you read the book and you realize how entrenched leftist ideology is across American culture. Uh, So I'm not pessimistic, but I'm realistic in the book. That that we better seize on what Trump has done or, you know, republics only live on average between 225 and 275 years. Like we're right in the sweet spot of that and we're killing ourselves.
1: Wow. You know, that is the best metaphor, the, the, the near ambush. That's the that's the best. Now I now I have to get the book. That's the best metaphor for where we are. And that's how I feel about it. I feel like there's like a little game that the Republicans and the Democrats have played for a very, very, very long time. And a lot of people got rich where you you put up like a, a fake fight. You kind of have fight. It's all for show. But then the, the Republicans always give a little ground. We always give a little ground. So okay. So now you're a foot more to the left. Now you're another foot more to the left, and we've come we've come all the way left that we can. The next the next step is over the cliff. The next step is straight up socialism.
4: So we're we're there. It's it's the near end. Yeah. much and better people are going to steal that. You should steal it. Uh, absolutely, a hundred percent.
3: But what uh, you know, what what makes people point out, and they're not wrong. Hey, Pete, don't be so obsessed about this moment. You know, you're you're it's. And I, I I try to grapple with the idea of momentism that like we get stuck in our moment and think it's the worst. And people point out, hey, we fought a revolution, we fought a civil war, civil rights movement. I, I concede all of that. But but what's different about now is is the civil war was we were fighting to fulfill the promises of our founding, right? Of equality, uh, uh, the, that, that, uh, the civil rights movement, same thing. Martin Luther King is marching with a Bible in his hand, quoting the declaration saying, Here, here's why you know we can do better as Americans. The, the left today is saying America is the enemy. Like our founders are were nothing but racists. America was founded on nothing but slavery. Capitalism is evil. And when you're fighting a political opponent, who isn't just different in ideology but believes the country you're in is bad, that's a whole different moment. Like, we we weren't there on a large scale before. We are because of education and indoctrination today. So I, I think, you know, sometimes you can be too obsessed with your moment. I don't know that that's true right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Everybody, you wonderful listeners, you got to go pick up Pete's book. you got to get American Crusade, uh, Our Fight to Stay Free. Also, start a GoFundMe, everybody listening. Scrape all your money together, and we're going to all bid on an original copy of In the Arena <laughs> from 2016. <laughs> Here's, I got one last question for you. When you get in the car or when you get where you, you've got to get to work, but you want to get in the right mindset, what do you jam out to? What, do you, what song do you just
3: hit play on? You're like, this is going to get me right. Oh my goodness! It it, um, it rotates. I'll be honest. Okay. I'm usually yeah. allow myself to be a slave to the shuffle function on iTunes of the songs that I've downloaded, which 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 is terrible because it runs you into like Christmas songs. And I know. Other thing, you know. So and then I, you're hitting skip, skip, skip. Then you're hitting skip, skip, skip. A lot of people <laughs> do that. Uh, I mean, recently it's been Kanye's God Is King uh, F, er, er, album, which I think is fantastic. My and buddy played guitar on that. Really? Yeah,
1: one of my cohorts on the fr- the Freedom to Laugh uh, comedy tour, my buddy Brian Hayner, played on a couple of those tracks. We couldn't tell anybody, and like I would I would be in the studio with you guys and talking about the Freedom to Laugh tour, and I know that my buddy is in the studio as we speak. You know, blah blah blah. He's putting down tracks. He's working for Kanye West, and I'm like, this is how cool we are. This is how <laughs> cool we are. I'm funny. My buddy plays guitar on Kanye's album. I've been jamming up. I'm rediscovering the Eagles of Death Metal, dude. Wow. You you got to get some of that in the rotation. You gotta Eagles
3: get some... of Death Metal. Not yeah. wasn't wasn't top of my list.
1: Uh, oh, but... they were the band that was playing in in Paris when they were like when when ISIS came in and the dude started shooting the oh, joint wow. up. Uh, but
3: check out some Eagles of Death Metal. You will be surprised. Okay. All right. You got it. You got my word. And I will say, I'll say, Michael, I've, I've confessed this to you privately, but now I'll confess it publicly. I, I've always wanted to try stand-up comedy. I, I don't think I would be good at it. I don't know that I have it, but I don't think hilarious. I can go, I don't think I can go to the grave until I try, you know, what all you comedians describe when you walk up to the microphone and you realize people are there and your only job is to make them laugh, which I've never been good at. So I, but I've always thought, like to think maybe i've got the opportunity and then you know jen my wife or others will be like whoa whoa bad idea this is not gonna go well
1: for you dude it's going to happen this is going to happen you got a little reprieve with the rona you got a little reprieve there's not a lot of live dates but i'm gonna make something happen you you crushed it when you hosted the uh the, the fox nation awards thing that's half the battle Coming See, out there and not pee in your pants. That You've is half that. the
3: battle, but making people laugh when they're not expecting to laugh, that's a little, that you know that's much easier than making people laugh when they're like, what's this guy got? You uh-huh. know? It's a whole other dynamic. It's the worst.
1: It's the worst. When, when when I'm about to go on stage and the guy introducing me he goes, this is the funniest person you'll ever see. Oh he is God. hilarious. Then you can just feel the whole audience butts pucker and they get all mad and they're like, okay, prove it. Yeah, it's much better to be funny. <laughs> I won't set you up to, I'll give you a great introduction. You'll tell some heartwarming stories about uh, uh, growing up in in Minnesota and
3: sledding and
1: cross-country skiing or whatever the <laughs> hell you did up there.
3: I don't even know what I did. It seems like a lifetime ago. All right, right. yeah. When when we when we do it, when the roan is over and in person is real again, we I can't do it. You know, socially distanced. It's got to be the real thing. And Uh, I'm gonna just know this.
1: this. I will make fun of whatever you're wearing. Whatever you're wearing is gonna be because you like to bust my chops about that when I'm on the show. You're like, thanks for dressing up all this stuff. So listen, uh, I I will get even.
3: Okay. (laughs) I mean, you're right. It's like it's always like, hey, Michael, is that your nicest jean jacket or is this dress-up day? <laughs> All right. Well, hey,
0: get on the show. Please,
3: please,
1: have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much. Everybody, you got to pick up this book, American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. Pete, thanks a ton. Enjoy the rest of
3: your day, brother. Thanks, brother. Likewise.
1: give it up for Pete Hegsef. I thought it was very cool that he did the show. A great guy. I cannot wait to get him on stage. There's a guy that wants to do comedy. In his heart, he wants to do it. We got to make it happen. But first, we got to make sure the the rona is all gone. We got to get the live shows back. We got to get a packed house, then I introduce Pete Hegsef. Yes, we will roll cameras. We will have it in three dimensions. Because I want every moment of his stand-up comedy debut to be uh, filmed and to be a part of history. All right. There was a, a couple of wonderful things. There's many wonderful things happen all the time. Uh, hopefully your business is open. Hopefully your friend's business is open. Hopefully you're not taking the lockdown seriously. Uh, I don't want to start with this. I'm. I'll, we'll start with this. We'll start with this they' They're using the lockdown. I think they want to keep you miserable and they really want to do the vote for, vote by mail thing. Trump did something that was just so uh, just blatant and see-through and easily figured out. I couldn't believe everybody fell for it. But he did that tweet about vote by mail and the fraud and the press just like it's so wonderfully easy for him to just lead the press around by the nose. And it was great. So now everybody has to so okay. So the president's talking about he's gonna withhold the election because vote vote by mail. So they instantly freak out. Good for them. They went in the right direction. And then they had to talk about vote by mail and voter fraud and things that have happened and how it doesn't work, and how only five states are really ready for this, and the other 45 are they would be completely overwhelmed in the postal service and blah, blah, blah. Vote by mail is a bad idea. Vote by mail is a horrible idea. So, uh good for Trump. Good for Trump for just unleashing that tweet and and moving the herd of cattle where he wanted them to go. Here's what ha- here's what happened uh today. The gypsy mm. in Australia in a, in uh I don't know how they have Australia divvied up I know we have fans in Australia. Good day, Australia. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I get a lot. It's weird. I get a lot of messages on the Facebook and on the YouTube from from people who enjoy our our, our work down in Australia. Down under. They shut down. They shut down uh, Victoria, I believe. Because six. They had seven people die. Seven people died of the Rona. Seven. Six of them in a nursing home. So they're they're going full tilt boogie lockdown. And, and that to me, why, yes, any loss of life is sad and it's it, it's tragic and, and, and all that stuff. But like seven people, seven, that's a really you're going to shut down a, a big hunk of Australia for seven people. I was I was shocked by that. I was shocked by that. Like, maybe you're overreacting? I'll, re- I'll remind maybe. you guys of this. Yeah, maybe. Every year, uh, and this is in the the, the the U.S. This is just the U.S. Heart disease, 650,000. Boom. Lights out from heart disease. Cancer, 600,000. Bango. Call it a day. Stroke. 150,000 medical error coming in at 251,000 people. I I know every day they like to do the drumbeat of the deaths in America, blah, 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 blah. But when you're losing 250,000 people a year to mistakes, I think you got to... you got to pick and choose what freaks you out more. I'm totally freaked out by the medical error. That's the number three leading cause of death in America. Rona. Rona is about halfway there. And Rona, oh, and the hydroxychloroquine, that whole battle. Don't get me on my, that will not be funny, uh, me talking about hydroxychloroquine. That's just, it's it's uh, criminal what they're doing with that medication. It's criminal, criminal, criminal. Criminal. beyond criminal yeah I know that Ohio and what said what they're doing
2: to those doctors I talked to one of them today
1: really who'd you talk to with, with the black lady on the steps and the whole thing no
2: no 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 I didn't talk to her um, I talked to one of the other doctors that didn't speak in front of the he didn't speak in front of the Supreme Court he <laughs> was at the round table later but he's here local to me in Savannah His name's Dr. Scott
1: Barber that's great that's awesome. So, but he. Was I'm going to talk to him a was-
2: little bit more, and then I'll write it up.
1: Okay, I linked an article, and I can't. The guy wrote a blog, uh, and he's from Brazil, and he. I forget where it was posted. I could go back and look on the website. I had the link of it to, on the website. It's since been taken down. It has since been taken down. This mm-hmm. guy did some exhaustive research. And he had links to everything. And he yep. had proof. Did you read the same one?
2: No, I th- it was on Medium, right?
1: It might have been Medium.
2: Yeah. And he's like, it's um, the
1: greatest, somebody, it's the greatest hoax. i
2: tweeted it out, and I went to read it, and I got a 404. It had been <clears> taken down for violating the terms of service.
1: I read it before they took it down. Okay, I I tell
2: it. me about it.
1: <laughs> okay, so that doctor in uh, France... his his last name starts with a d he is one of the top scientists and researchers and his background and his Mm -hmm. he's been published in so many papers he is the top notch he is on at the top of his game he's not just some whack job he's not some whack job who who got his uh you know doctorate through the mail through the rainbow university of hugs and kisses this guy's the real deal and he has Mm -hmm. the stats to back it up and he has the protocol he has the protocol at the first sign of this you do that you do this many milligrams of this then you add that but he's got the recipe and uh So he's got the charts for that. He's got the graphs for that. Then he's got, here's the people who kind of fought back. And here's why their science was no good. And this is why people had to retract that. And here's what happened to the Lancet. And here's what happened here. And he just, it it took me an hour to read it. It took me an hour. It was so much to digest. However, uh, because I love you guys, I'll I'll dissolve it down to this. If you follow this French doctor's protocol, your odds of living... Mm -hmm go up astronomically. It is such a successful treatment. And for people to pretend, it isn't. And then, of course, the drug's been around since 1950. You know, it's It's all that business. And it's all about the public relations of it all and who's attacking whom and how do you defend yourself from these attacks and will science win. The bottom line is, when you follow this French doctor's protocol you don't die and that's it you know you can talk oh we didn't do a double blind study and we didn't make sure that a baboon that with it that has that's left-handed took it and you didn't give it to an amputee from sweden it's no you follow this protocol and then when they're when they're doing these and you and i talked about it on this show when when they were first coming out again against hydroxychloroquine and like the the government maybe it was the army or the navy they did their own little study and they were giving this they were giving huge amounts of hydroxychloroquine to toxic. people who were, who were already on death's door and they're like oh look their their hearts were beating like little hummingbirds and then they died and it's like yeah it was it was toxic levels that they were giving to him, and you already had one foot in the grave. So it, it's not honest. It's not science. And that's why, you know, no one hopefully pays attention to that one anymore. It's just amazing. And hopefully there will be some kind of class action lawsuit against anybody who's not, like in Ohio, they're like,
0: Like against yeah, the FDA. Yes. There, well, there has to be. Now-
2: That group of doctors came out and you had the woman from West Africa who definitely has some different ideas about stuff, but she's a board certified physician. It has more to do with her culture, her culture she grew up in. So now we get to be mean to immigrants, but whatever. Um, There was actually a month before that, more than a month before that, a epidemiologist named Dr. Harvey Risch looked at all of the studies for outpatient use. And it's Dr. Just- Harvey Risch is one of the top epidemiologists in this country. He has over 300 peer-reviewed studies, and he's been cited almost 7,000 times, and he's, like, 40.
1: This is the Yale guy, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Nobody nobody is mentioning his name like because they can't contradict him. Because that guy wants to debate Fauci, and Fauci won't have
1: it. Yeah. If you want to read what, uh, what the Liberty Gypsy's talking about there, you guys— Go to theloftistparty.com. I have a link to it there. Uh, it's up. It's this Yale epidemiologist, and he's no slouch either. And that's what really. And it's like I was talking to Hexeth about it. About like Trump came in and said he was going to get rid of ISIS. Boom, he did it. How did he do that? And Hexeth is like, you know, hey, he just unleashed. He let us. He let us fight to win. And it's really. I don't go to a happy place when I think about hydroxychloroquine and the lives it could save. And if you did it like this is bigger than money, like the only thing that makes sense, the only thing that makes sense a little bit to me is like somebody has uh, remdesivir. Oh, I got stock in the company that makes remdesivir. So I want to push remdesivir. It's horrifying to think. And and maybe I'm still naive. I, I hope I am in a, in a little bit of a way. But if like wow, you would sit back and watch a uh, hundred thousand people die because you want to make some money on remdesivir, like I, and I can't think of any other reason why they would do it. And if I, listen, if hydroxychloroquine doesn't work, then do a fair and honest assessment of it. We've been in this. We've been at this thing for months. <clears throat> it's 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 horrifying. Well,
4: it's horrifying. Well, I mean,
2: what bothers what bothers me the most is that there are states that are literally giving power to pharmacists to not fill a doctor's prescription. Yeah, that is like unprecedented.
1: It's I remember That's insane a while back seeing a video. There was a doctor from I think she was in Dallas, uh, and she was giving a press conference and talking about. She was writing prescriptions for uh, hydroxychloroquine for people who had tested positive for coronavirus. She was having insane success with it. Insane. Mm -hmm. Not only were people living, but like even when they had the virus, it wasn't that bad. Like you get treated easier. It's easier to get off of. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Then she started to uh, get pushback from the pharmacists. Like you're talking Mm -hmm. about. They're like, we're not going to fill this. We're not going to fill this. That's... Yeah, that's criminal. That's criminal. Boyers well, have to be the, salivating.
2: The doctor up in um, New York City, who I can't remember the name of the small little town up there, the the Jewish community that Cuomo shut down first because they had a yeah. real outbreak. Yeah. Dr. Zev, he had over 2,200 patients Two died. And they were all like a little bit older, had pre-existing conditions, and he never gave it until they complained of shortness of breath. Yeah. So it was a consistent like eight it was a consistent group like you would study. But I mean, the one thing that the doctor who was from West Africa and I totally agree on is that double blind placebo-based studies in the midst of a pandemic are absolutely unethical. Yeah. So if you have a safe and effective drug that we think might work that's already FDA approved, the guys at University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, after the H one N one pandemic, actually developed a trial that's based on machine learning, so that everybody can get the medication.
1: I, uh, it, which is
2: way more ethical.
1: <sighs> yes, I, I, I really it it it's it's mind boggling, and it just like the media just seems to take such delight. Uh, in, in oh, it's bad today. Oh, this, and it's, it's, uh, it's horrible. And I will remind everybody who's listening, encourage everyone you have. I know people uh, in, in California, we have listeners in California. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and, and people are miserable and, oh no, here we go again. Just, I, I wouldn't do it. I can't encourage people enough. Just ignore it ignore it. I know there's that that kid that owns that gym in Jersey, and they're doing everything to him, uh, and hopefully he doesn't end up being a martyr for the cause. Hopefully he can open up his gym, And but there's going to be lawsuits, and there's going to be, hopefully, GoFundMes and all that stuff, but it's... Uh, it's... I, I don't want to use the word insane, but it, it 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 is. It's like they're shutting... There's all, all these other agendas and ulterior motives, and it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time, but like uh, your business, your livelihood, you being able to feed your family uh, is more important than the, what these uh, governors are saying. It's horrible. And you
2: know, you know whose governor they don't talk about anymore?
1: Who? Whit- Whitmer? Mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Georgia.
2: Remember when Brian Kemp got savage for reopening? And then they had to shut up because we had very low case rates for six weeks. Then the riots happened, and we shot up. You know what's happening now? What? Our seven-day rolling average is starting to look just like New York's. Because if the CDC is correct, and the actual infection rate is 10 times confirmed cases, we're hitting about 20% of the population. And if you listen to some doctors in infectious disease, they're like, Guys, coronaviruses, once we hit about 20%, they, like, go into a cat. Like, they find a new host. This this always happens. Yes. Like, this is not a novel virus. We know what coronaviruses do.
1: Check this out. And I'm so glad you brought up they're they're not bringing up Kemp anymore, and they're not bringing up Georgia anymore. For a couple weeks, they are like, ooh, Sweden messed up. Sweden messed up. No, they didn't, you guys. No, they didn't. Sweden's doing great. Sweden's doing great now the rest of Europe that was on the lockdown they're seeing spikes now in in the hot spots like we are and Sweden isn't so this whole lockdown uh, BS is just horrible and these people who are worried about baseball oh what's going to happen to the baseball Will they have to cancel the season who gives and who really who who cares I could not care less about baseball. You're going to
2: cancel the season cuz your guys are going to get the sniffles. I mean, you were talking about some of the most athletic, best in shape people in the world if they don't have diabetes. Most of them aren't and, and oh, total props to Bill Mark, okay? Yeah. He actually came out and he said the body positivity thing needs to stop because what none of these people are telling you is you get diabetes because you're overweight. You get cardiac disease because you're overweight. And if your BMI is above 35, you are eight times more likely to die of COVID.
3: And no that, health
2: expert will get on TV and say that, and they need to.
1: That's a, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it's a great button to the show. Because as a... We like small government and we don't look to Big Brother for the solutions. I would point to the reason that we're such a big society now is the way the government put together the food pyramid when everybody flipped out and they were, it was bad science. It was junk science. You can pinpoint the date. It was right after Dwight Eisenhower had his heart attack. And then it's like, oh, America, we're, we're doing it all wrong. We were fine. We were skinny. We were wonderful. And yes, you can talk about agriculture, blah, 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 blah. But everybody listened to this douche who, oh, we need to follow this food pyramid. And once we started doing the food pyramid, which was the official brochure, this is the way you have to do it. If you're going to have public schools and and lunches and public schools and you're going to do this, you got to do the food pyramid, the food pyramid. And they turned us into big fat blobs. And there's a lot of uh, health risks when you're a big fat blob. So, big could be brother, one of them. It is now. And I'm
2: serious.
1: I'm right there with you. I'm. That's why I was delighted. That was a, that was a laugh of delight. That it was. You're absolutely right. You guys, it was a fantastic show. I want to leave you with uh, with some more good news because. As you know, we've been we've been slogging it out here for the longest time. We're so happy that we had Pete Hegseth uh, join us. Things are going well. It's it's tough. I know that that Google and all those guys just testified. We know we know the fingers on the scale. You know the fingers on the scale when it comes to social media. But we're not going anywhere, and in fact, we're growing. I look at the uh, – I talk about this all the time, the algorithm, the algorithm, and I apologize if it gets boring. But because you guys click like and because you leave comments and because you're telling your friends about the show and the YouTube channel and the loftestparty.com, everything's kind of growing. We're growing, and that's exciting. That's exciting, and it's what the other side doesn't want. They don't want a group of cool people who get together and – and can laugh about stuff and we can take action about stuff and we can help small businesses and we can encourage our fellow man and be wonderful healthy people they don't want that so let's continue to piss in their cereal by growing <laughs> i will see you guys i won't well you i won't see you but you'll hear me and you will hear uh the gypsy next week with another fantastic special guest. I think you're going to be delighted. I think you're going to be delighted.